to Affect Autism, where Affect is the number one tool we use in supporting child development through playful interactions. Get 15% off any DIR 101 course and introduction to DIR and DIR floor time through ICDL.com by using the promo code AFFECTA15. That's A-F-F-E-C-T-A-1-5. Hello, I'm Daria Brown, and I'm really excited to welcome back Mike Fields this week. He is a licensed professional counselor in Atlanta who works in conjunction with Floor Time Atlanta. And he also specializes in gaming stuff, which I will let him describe. Welcome back, Mike. Tell us about the gaming stuff and how you're on your way to a llama farm. Yeah, uh, busy summer coming up but uh, lots of cool opportunities, spoiler alert, first stuff we're talking about in a little bit. Um, so gaming stuff. I am a nerd from way back, like I'm wearing one of my Dungeons and Dragons shirts now. When the Dungeon Master smiles, it's already too late. <laughs> um, Dungeon Master. So for people who aren't familiar, I play uh, games like Dungeons and Dragons, and I've loved doing that since I was a kid way back in the 80s. Um, and then I stumbled across, uh, some guys, a handful of years ago, um, key amongst them is, um, Jack Birkenstock with the Bodana group out of York, Pennsylvania, and they do therapeutic gaming. They use games like, uh, Dungeons and Dragons and tons of others. It's not just D&D. That's just one of the most popular ones. Um, for uh, growth and healing, telling stories, uh, getting to decide your own identity, getting to be a hero and defined by your strengths, your assets and affinities, and not uh, by a diagnosis or deficits. Um, so when nerdy old me and counselor old me found, wait, these are two things I can do together. Um, yes, please, and more. Uh, so I've got a handful of groups that I work with. Um, one is Interactions Therapy Services uh, here in Atlanta. Uh, do a lot of gaming with them. And then the Llama Farm that you mentioned, uh, my buddy Matt Winetta with Airy Experiences. Um, we do adventure camps uh, and we'll be on a Llama Farm for a week starting Saturday. I'll be home for five days and then we'll be on a horse ranch for two weeks and we'll be doing you know all kinds of typical summer camp stuff like uh, bows and arrows, uh, whittling, um, making candles, riding horses, going on hikes with llamas as our pack animals, um, sleeping in tents uh, and this is with kids uh, and young adults um, on the spectrum from eight to What's the oldest we've got this year? 20, 20 and a couple, I think. Um, so that's a lot of fun. Uh, Area Experiences isn't a full-time program necessarily, but Matt is a very nurturing, supportive, strengths-based guy. Uh, so he is definitely a kindred spirit. I've been working with him for four years now, maybe five, um, doing these adventure camps. And they're exciting and exhausting, but wonderful experiences where we're out in nature 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
Um, amazing experiences, lots of opportunities. And is your son attending this camp with you? Um, we have talked about working out a deal where uh, my son could go maybe in a week that I'm not there because I would want him to be for it to be his space to do what he wanted. Um, but he's kind of a homebody. He's not hasn't expressed uh, any interest in it yet. But um, yeah, I'm going to get him up there. I'm going to get him up there one of these days. You're working towards it. Well, I know my husband feels the same about my son. Uh, for those that don't know, I did a podcast with Mike on gaming and growth. I'll put a link to that at affectautism.com with today's blog post. And um, my husband is an avid nerd gamer, just like Mike. And his current thing is Warhammer 40K, whatever that is. And he can't wait to get our son involved in all of the games that that you guys both love so maybe yeah, warhammer is get cool, sucked but into that world yet mike you never know <laughs> warhammer is a miniatures game so it's uh, like battle simulations and uh typically people will get you know their little army figures and paint them and i don't do that because my hand's not real steady i would love to be able to do that though because the way people uh can you know paint, decorate their armies, really cool looking. Yeah, uh, my husband hires somebody to do the painting for him. You should send him over to my other friends at nerdsonearth.com. They have uh, some videos about how to get started painting miniatures. Cool, well, he can do it. He just, his hand's shaky too. So he prefers <laughs> to, <laughs> to yeah. send it out, but Alas, let's start our podcast topic. Mike has hinted at it a few times now. I haven't mentioned it yet. I probably should have mentioned that at the start. But we are talking today about creating opportunities in floor time. And this stemmed from a conversation that Mike and I had with some other floor timers, where Mike said the line, we want to create opportunities with our children, not steal the opportunities from them. And that resonated so much with me. And I know other people that heard you say that as well. So I said, we're doing a podcast, Mike. So here we are. <laughs> Why don't you uh, tell us a bit about what you meant and give us some examples and scenarios and we'll chat about it from there. Sure. Um, so the first year that I went to a camp with Matt and Airy Experiences, um, Matt, it, he kind of hovers around and he, he always knows what's going on. He's a good director. Uh, you know, he gives everybody the space and the opportunities and tools and all they need to interact with the kids, to support them. Um, and every now and then you'll hear like out in the distance, a little away from you, thief. It's like, oh. And that happens uh, when we're doing an activity with a kid. And uh, may, let's say that they've been struggling with um, fine motor stuff, just for example. And so they come in thinking they're not good at it. Uh, they're not going to try. It's too hard. And we start doing something that's fun, floor time, of course, um, or floor time E in the area experiences case. Um, and uh, you know, using those internal motivations, things they like to get them 
to try something. So then they do something and they may not realize that, hey, this is the same thing that was hard or this is similar to that thing that was hard. And so I might say, hey, this is just like that other thing that you, that was difficult for you and you did it. And there is some value in that, in me pointing that out. Um, but how much more meaningful, how much more impactful is it if the kid comes to that realization themselves, when they make that connection, when they put it together? Um, so Matt is always reminding us not to be thieves of learning thieves, not thieves, thieves of learning, thieves of uh, opportunity. Don't take their uh, moment away where they can connect something. And when, you, when you're thinking about product, this is another paradigm kind of thing. You know, with four time, we're all about the process, right? If you're focused on the product, what you're trying to get to, um, or we're thinking that this is only a week long camp, how much impact can I have? Um, and actually, it's quite a bit because the camp is intentionally designed that way. But anyway, um, we sometimes we want to rush things. And Daria, you mentioned we were talking with some colleagues about this the other day in a peer supervision group. Um, and this, the same kind of idea comes up with coaching parents, where uh, maybe a parent is wondering why does their child behave in a certain way? Why do they do this? Why do they have this reaction? Um, and so I like to talk about praxis. So our brains are pattern recognizers. And you know we build through all these experiences, a way for our brain to know what's coming. But if we're missing cues, uh, we don't have a lot of experiences, uh, predicting things may be hard. And we all want control. So coaching with a parent and the parent will mention that, you know, the, the kid's frustrated because they know they want to stay doing, stay playing, but we have to get in the car and leave. Um, and then that makes me frustrated, the parent will say. And I want to jump on and, you know, just go, ah, so basically you're having a parallel process. You're experiencing the same thing your kid is experiencing. And they may go, yeah, kind of. But if I can be patient and hang back um, and just support them. So, you know, what are you feeling when that's happening? Or what are you thinking? Or why did you do this? Or um, just, you know, tell me more about that situation. If I can be patient and hang back. A lot of times the parent will come around and say, uh, I'm doing the same thing that they're doing. It makes sense. And now they have this emotional connection. We talk about affect and how uh, it helps with memories, both storing and retrieval, because things are dual. Well, everything's encoded as a sensory experience. But then with the emotions of it, when the parent feels that connection, or in the case of the camps, when the child feels that connection, when they recognize something, uh, it's got that extra affect with it. Um, and that 
helps that idea uh, become richer and more meaningful uh, and something that they can actually use. If it's just Mike running in his mouth and dropping what he thinks is wisdom, you know, that may do something, maybe not. Yeah, and it's it goes against a lot of what we learn as parents because we're always told to praise the good things that our children do. And even though that can be a good thing and there are times where that's appropriate, it's also a behavioral technique, punishment, reward. This is a reward thing like, oh, you did it, that's wonderful. And you want your child to feel proud of what they do, but when you turn it around to you telling them, it changes the dynamic. And like you said, you're not only robbing them of the process to realize it, but you're also having them see, oh, mom likes when I do that. I want to please mom. I'm gonna do it for that reason, to please mom, because if I please her, she'll love me. And if I don't please her, maybe I'm not getting that love that I all kids want from their parents. And it really shifts that dynamic. And, and that might be a little psychotherapy-ish for some of the listeners. But if you, if you get into attachment theory and, and different branches of that and the neuroscience that goes along with it, it, it's really a subtle, subtle thing that if it happens once or twice or here or there, but if it's a constant pattern, kids internalize that and they see, oh, when my parents are happy uh, when I do these things, that's why I'm going to do these things. And floor time really in the DIR model, developmental individual differences, relationship based model is about that intrinsic motivation. And as you mentioned, the process over the product. So that has been certainly the biggest challenge for me as a parent, because I am definitely one that wants to point out all the realizations. And that is me stealing an opportunity. And it might not be um just with my son but certainly in the parent support group that i facilitate for icdl the interdisciplinary council on development and learning every monday we have a a parent online support i find myself fighting back a lot because i just want to give parents all the info and all the resources and as you said like drop the wisdom on them but it's much more powerful when people come to that realization themselves through this emotional experience. And if you can sort of hover along that line where you can facilitate that emotional realization, that's when you're like, yes, okay, now we're moving somewhere. And, and we can certainly think about things in our own lives where that's happened. Like uh, your parents tell you, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever. And then something happens to you and you get hurt and you're like, oh, that's why they told me not to do this. But when it's just being told about it, um, and of course, silly examples like me nagging at my husband to clean up after himself 50,000 times a day isn't gonna make him start cleaning after, up after himself more often. So it, it's just um, something that's so powerful in floor time. And when, when parents start to learn floor time, it's really this shift to this process. 
and it takes a long time to get there and until oh, yeah. you go through it and witness it and practice it yourself it's it's hard to understand how to do that with your children so you gave an example of how to model that with parents and then hopefully in that learning process of their own they model that for their children yeah um so a couple of different things came up for me let's see how many of them I can remember. First is when you were talking about, uh, you know, rewards and uh, providing praise or something external um, to help motivate a child. Uh, Alfie Cohn, who's going to be presenting at the ICDL conference in Maryland uh, in October, November, I forget. Um, one of those uh, has a book, Punished by Rewards. And it's it kind of extends that idea and what uh, you know has been found in research um, is <clears throat> that uh, once somebody has you know been rewarded for something, um, you know it, it may be that they they are looking for the rewards. Then, like, well, okay, can you, thank you so much for cleaning the house. Here, here's five dollars, or you know, here's a toy, or whatever. Um, and then, uh, hey, could you help with the dishes? What do I get for that? Why would I do that if there's no bonus to it? Um, Can I just jump in and to say that sure. Millie and Joanne brought that up in the podcast a few weeks ago, Floor Time Lifestyle, and Millie said they all had chores growing up, and she put a board up, and they would sign up for what they want to do, and there was never more than a thank you very much and that's how she tried to instill that in her children to you're not doing something to get something out of it. Yeah. Like in, and, in the way you're describing. Yeah. And then kind of stacking on top of that. Um, so there's this idea of the ABCs in psychology. All of the different theories in psychology say that uh, one of three things is primary. And if you can change that, then you can affect the others. So A is affect. Uh, obviously, floor time, that's what we say is primary. And yay for neuro research and imaging and all the stuff that we can see now, uh, we can see in the brain um, that uh, how emotion is involved with our thinking. Um, and we know that through things like uh, Stephen Porges and the polyvagal theory, uh, all of our um, all of our senses, how we experience the world, first come in through uh, our uh, limbic system, emotions. So there's more and more scientific evidence to support that affect really should be primary. And then just to throw out uh, $5 words and try to sound impressive, that's basically what Dr. Greenspan's affect diathesis hypothesis was about, is getting that emotion to connect uh, wants and desires and action. Um, so that fits right in with the, that ABC to psychology. The B is behavioral. Uh, that's where ABA comes in. ABA says behavior is the most important. If you could change that, you can affect the other two. Well, that's why kids have meltdowns because regulation is kind of the first thing developmentally. You have to be able to feel safe, secure, and connected. So if you're skipping all that, uh, juicy affect uh, and just going straight for behavior, um, you're going to run into some bumps. 
Uh, and then the C is cognition. And when we reach you know, those higher FEDCs, in the functional emotional developmental capacities, you know, when we're doing great area thinking and reflective thinking and you know, thinking about values and what's important to us and meaning, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, when we're functioning at that level, we usually have uh, a fair mastery over our emotions and we're doing these processes in a state where we may be a little emotional, but we're still very regulated. Um, so what came up for me as I was driving into the office this morning, um, music has always been really important to me in my life and I haven't played an instrument in a while. And I don't know why, but recently I've really gotten this bug where I am just on the border of, well, I guess it's not impulse buying since I am kind of hanging around with it, uh, getting a ukulele just because I want music again. I want to be able to play something uh, again. And um, so uh, with a ukulele, you know, people have asked me, well, do you know how to play? I'm like, no, but I played piano and I played clarinet and, uh, you know, other instruments. So I, I'm pretty confident I can read music. I, my brother plays guitar. Uh, so I've seen, you know, tablatures. I'm like, cognitively, all the stuff. I'm like, I know I could do this. Um, so what if I don't have my ukulele yet, but what if I started studying how to play ukulele? I could cognitively get how to play it. I've seen finger positions for different chords, right? I've seen techniques for strumming. I've seen how to hold the instrument, all that good stuff. So if we think about stealing opportunities, you know, me just cognitively taking in all that information, I'm probably not gonna be able to pick up a ukulele and immediately play it because there's no experience there. And that experience adds that affect to it. It's not just an idea, an abstract, uh, but then comes a sensory experience and an affective experience. And that's really what I need to be able to learn to play ukulele. And then the more affect I can bring in, the less mechanical, the playing would be, and it could start to be more music and art than just simply replicating patterns and sounds. Um, so that's really where the affect comes in, that passion and interest and the values and meanings and all that other rich stuff uh, comes in. So if we're, if I take an opportunity where a kid is struggling and he's shooting a bow and arrow and he's, uh, figures it out and he's able to hit the target. He's had an experience. His body knows how to do that now. And he feels that success, that sense of accomplishment. It's not just, I have this idea in my head and that makes sense. Sure. I can probably do that. That is so different from actually having the experience. Um, but yeah, we, we get out of that process mindset and we want to just, 
we're in a hurry or we're frustrated or we're scared or whatever. Um, oh, I really want the kid to get it. I just saw something cool, so I'm going to share. Oh, I'm just, I'm just a video about playing ukulele. It's not, we're not sitting down and actually playing one together. Well, I remember when I learned to drive, I had driven go-karts. I had done other things and I just thought, oh yeah. And I took my driver's ed class and I got in the car with my mom. We lived near a park. So there was this back road along the train tracks that nobody ever drove on. It was sort of not really a through way to anything. So she brought me there and I remember getting behind the wheel and starting to drive and went, whoa, like this is nothing like I thought it was going to be. It was so overwhelming and scary like i had this power of driving this humongous car well they had this old cadillac so it was humongous <laughs> but <laughs> driving you know and and until you practice and get a hold of it so i mean this goes for anything in life we're, we're just trying to make the point clear that we somehow miss that when dealing with our kids and uh, and with other people in general. That's why floor timers who have been doing it for decades say you end up floor timing everybody in your life, your friends, your spouses, your your siblings or whoever you're, you, it becomes this process oriented thing where, you know, you're, you're meeting the person where they're at, you're, you know, working on those early FEDCs. And um, I think it, it was really um, important what you said about the affect and the affect diathesis hypothesis and I'll put links to that because that was my very first blog post it's all about affect because that's why the site is called affect autism and there's been some com confusion around why it's called that for from people who don't know about the model and how it's based on affect are, are you trying to change autistic people and um, no we're affecting autism through playful, joyful, affective experiences. It's just a play on words. Um, I actually made a website on uh, um, a, a page on my website just about that now to point anyone to it if the confusion comes up. But this this central idea of affect is is what we're aiming for in floor time and, and harnessing that affect to, you know, have these joyful experiences. But um, yeah, I wonder if you can give us some more tips on how to do that, because it is so hard to not jump in there when you see something like, look, cutie pie, that's just like when we did this and this and that. Isn't that awesome? Like what yeah. I do that all the time with my son and, you know, he might acknowledge it and say that. But if I can, you know, facilitate that realization for him through affect, it's so much better. I'm, I'm wondering what other examples we can um, can think of. Sure. Uh, first, though, you mentioned, um, you know, people ask, does that mean you're trying to change people? Um, and Dr. Gil Tippy uh, wrote a book with Dr. Greenspan, Respecting Autism. And one of the things that I love about DIR floor time uh, and one of the reasons why I keep going to camps with Matt at Airy Experiences is the idea of radical acceptance. And that's not wanting to change somebody, but um, so I have ADHD and recently 
I've really, it's really been a disability for me. Um, sometimes it's a superpower because I can be really creative. And if there's stuff that's uh, uh, really emotional or things going on that are hard, I can step into a, a room with a kid, with a family, and all of my focus can immediately shift there. That's part of the superpower. Um, part of the disability is, I've, I've talked to my psychiatrist too. I'm like, I want the pill that helps me do hard stuff that I don't want to do. And he's like, yeah, we don't make that one yet. <laughs> Somebody needs to make that one. Um, and that's where the shift, I think, to product keeps coming in. We don't want parents to struggle. We don't want kids to struggle. We want to just fix things. But there are some problems you can't fix. And so the product isn't even an option. All you have is process. So how do we do that process? How do we do? How do we support that process? Um, Jackie Bartel says we're human beings, not human doings. And we keep thinking, what do I do? And that's even part of our identity. Who am I? I'm a counselor. I'm a lot of things, but our focus in our culture is typically on what do we do? So we've got the FEDCs, we've got the individual differences. And uh, like you were saying, people who've done floor time for a long time, it's not just an intervention or a therapy, but it really is a framework for understanding all relationships and all communication. So looking at where someone is, what level can they process things on, right? I mean, if I'm working with a family and a mom is, or dad are getting dysregulated, they get frustrated when their kids are physically fighting and their kids physically fight because when they're unable to negotiate social problem solving, I don't have any other ideas. I was watching a video with a parent um, just last week and her son got aggressive uh, with another kid and uh, you know, they broke him up and said, you know, what's going on? And her son said, I don't know how to get the car back from him. So the problem from a product-based approach would be get the car back. You can't always fix things though. So the process-based approach is that is a really uncomfortable feeling. And what do we do when we have really uncomfortable feelings? Because ideally hitting somebody is not the answer. So the first part, and this is why it is so hard and why 
people do jump to the product again just to fixing it. Being uncomfortable isn't fun. Um, I, yeah, going through the floor time classes, um, I've said this a million times, I failed this, the intermediate level class because I wasn't very reflective. I wasn't thinking about how other people were thinking or feeling um, and really wasn't even thinking about how I was thinking or feeling. It was just, what do I do? Do, do, do. Um, and so I started working with, uh, started working with somebody to process all that. And I didn't like it. Being reflective is not fun because what comes up is mistakes, fears, doubts. Um, and it's like, why do I want to think about that? I want to think about that so that the next time I feel that, instead of reacting, I can make a choice. I have an opportunity to make a choice. So that's ideally what we're after, what the process is. And it's easy when it's a good experience, right? Or when it's a, a happy feeling. Um, we can hang out with those all day, right? That's where we want to be. Only happy. You can't be sad. You can't be angry. Well, we're going to be sad and we're going to be angry. And if the answer is just be happy. I was uh, upset the other day and I told my wife and son, I'm like, I'm sorry, I've been kind of uh, short and, you know, aggressive, kind of angry lately. And um, my son asked why. And I'm like, because things haven't been going my way. And I just want something to go my way. And then he said, have you tried not being angry? And it was like, oh, there's the answer. Why didn't I just think of that? I'll just <laughs> not be angry. Um, but he, he is onto something. We want to be able to have that emotion and feel it, accept it, but still be able to choose. Um, so we've got to have a solid foundation of regulation. You know, we get people coming through the ICDL training classes. How do I challenge more? How do I push this kid? The world is going to give you lots of opportunities for that. Things are going to not go your way a lot. So you don't need to challenge. Uh, you do need to challenge. We only grow through stress, but you don't have to create problems. You know, join somebody, be in that moment, connect, attune to them. You know, I'm on your side. That's another big difference with floor time. We're not the opponent. We're not trying to create obstacles for you. We want you to grow and be successful in however you define that. You know, so are we trying to change people? We want to help them be the best them they can be. But with floor time, they get to decide who they want to be. We just support that. So the process can be so different based on the relationship, the individual, uh, the context. Um, so I told, a, I told a little boy yesterday uh, that my wife was from New York. And when she gets mad at me, her New York accent starts to come out. 
And he's like, what does New York accent mean? And this is what I did. I looked at him and, and said, my wife says, if you keep doing things like that, you are going to be in serious trouble, mister. <laughs> and he didn't get the context. He didn't realize that I was telling him about my wife talking to me. He just felt this powerful, overwhelming negative emotion coming at him. Ooh, so yeah, the context for me was it's kind of a silly story I was relating to for him. It was like a really scary emotional experience. Um, so it can't just be we pick what the answer is and we're going to give them the answer. We've got to be, we got to be able to join them and help them find their answer. So I don't know how, I mean, that's, that's, that's the art of yeah. floor time. Floor time is both a science and an art. The science is, you know, we want to see what developmental level are they at? Um, I like to say that the uh, DIR is like a roadmap. So the FEDCs are places on the map that you want to go. You know, like we are in regulation right now and we want to go to engagement and you know, eventually we would like to get to reflection. Um, the individual differences are uh, like the legend. So it might be, you know, a little picture on the, the map that says, you know, last stop for gas, 200 miles or something. So, you know, oh, that's a desert. We need to be careful around this, whatever the individual differences, uh, sensory or processing uh, ability. Um, those things tell us here's something to be careful, prepare for when you're traveling through this area, or here's, here's areas that are really cool, neat stuff to see, largest ball of twine. That may be somebody uh, really loves proprioception. Gotta go there, gotta make sure that they get lots of pro as we're on this journey. Um, and then uh, the relationship is the vehicle that we travel in and affect is the fuel for it. So the science of it is stepping through these different FEDCs. And the art is, what does that look like for you? Because the way that I'm going to step through those is going to be different than the way somebody else will do it. But I've got to be super mindful and aware. That's why reflection is so important for practitioners, especially, um, so that when I do start to get angry, when I do start to get scared or upset, I'm scared. Here's why I'm scared, but I can still stop and think about my choices for what I can do next. And try and choose without that fear, if that makes sense. I accept it, I recognize it, but uh, like Shelly Marcus, my therapist says, you know, if you're walking on the sidewalk and there's dog poop there, notice it, be aware of it, don't step in it, and you don't have to pick it up with you and carry it around all day. You know, oh, there was something bad. Now I've been thinking about this bad thing all day. You're carrying around the dog poop. That was a choice. You can, you can put it down. 
and not carry it. But how do you do that? That's, uh, that's the relationship and all that stuff. That's the art of floor time. And, and that's what all of us will continue to struggle with. Um, we can read all of Greenspan's books. We can listen to all the podcasts at affectautism.com. But our own how with our own children, that's the biggest, uh, biggest struggle for sure. It's the process. You've described it so well. Um, I'll refer people back to the podcast with Keith Lander uh, a couple of months ago, an OT in Vancouver, who who talked about this as well, where you know he'll be on the swing with the child and he'll be trying to do certain movements and and then the parent will point out what he's doing and he'll be like, oh, you know, I was trying to get the kid to realize it. <laughs> yeah. um, and you know, it's it's really. It's, it's definitely challenging. It's why floor time has so many levels. People will learn it and think, oh, I'm a floor time person. But the more you learn, the more I realize you that you don't know. And it's just about this continual intention to learn about how to stay in that process, how to, how to do the art, as you say, and, and as a practitioner, how to do it with lots of different clients <laughs> and yeah. noticing different uh functional emotional developmental capacities and not only where are they developmentally but where are they in that moment because they might be imaginative and reflective and then a big loud sound happens or there's a fire alarm and all of a sudden they're back down to regulation so it's just it's a balancing act of all these things and i i know it's a struggle for parents but i hope that mike's wisdom um, has given you something to think about and really just you know sit with that experience experience yeah that and and go uh go play go uh, relate communicate with somebody and if something comes up and says hey that was that, that is true for me cool and if it's something's like no that dude didn't make any sense um yeah that's okay too but the more you understand yourself the easier it is to empathize, to understand, to accept, ultimately, somebody else. And parents are hesitant to do it, but you got to videotape those interactions because you can learn so much from watching those videos and see how much you missed. And, and we talked about this in the last podcast with Mike. So I'll put links to all of that at affectautism.com. Thank you so much, Mike. As always, I I could do a podcast with you every week and never run out of things. <laughs> so have a oh, great very, time on the llama kind. farm. Hopefully yes. it'll give you a chance to unwind and be out in nature, relax, have fun with the kids that are there and create some great experiences. Yep. And not steal. And not steal any opportunities from anyone. <laughs> Thanks so much. And uh, listeners, check out the, the write-up at affectautism.com with links to all of the stuff that we referred to. Have a great time, Mike. Thanks. If you're a caregiver looking to implement your own floor time approach, please see the parents menu at icdl.com, the Interdisciplinary Council on Development and Learning for the virtual floor time consultations for parents. There you can schedule an appointment, look at the virtual DIR home program services, and see the weekly parent support meetings registration. 
We aim to help you implement the developmental individual differences relationship-based model at home, taking into account where your child is developmentally and their individual sensory processing differences within your safe and nurturing relationship to promote and support their developmental potential. Until next time, here's to affecting autism through playful interactions.